0: Welcome to the Offshore Wind Podcast, hosted by Stuart Mullen and David Lenti. Offshore wind is one of the world's fastest growing energy sources, with strong year-on-year growth expected across the next few decades. Many nations are banking on offshore wind to play a major role in reaching their net zero and sustainability targets, and helping their economies recover from the COVID-19 crisis. On the technology front, turbines are bigger and more powerful than ever. Offshore wind farm capacity factors continue to rise, and we're seeing a surge of interest from oil and gas giants seeking to transition their businesses away from fossil fuels, as well as increased competition from the developers who have championed offshore wind from day one. New markets in Asia, the Americas, and eventually Africa. Accelerated growth in Europe, the rise of floating offshore wind, and increasing interest in power to x and green hydrogen solutions are creating the basis for offshore wind to power the global energy transition. The Offshore Wind Podcast series looks at the issues facing the offshore wind industry today and tomorrow.
1: Hello, my name's Stuart Bullen, and we are just about to launch Season 2 of the Offshore Wind Podcast. This year, the Offshore Wind Podcast is sponsored by Siemens Gamesa, Renewable Energy, and I will be joined by David Lenti from Siemens Gamesa. David, Welcome to the Offshore Wind Podcast, and, and thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Can you give us a little bit of background by, by, by yourself?
2: Thanks, Stuart. So from our side, on behalf of Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy, we're very excited to join, having known GWEC for a great number of years and always admiring the collaboration and the work that we have together. For our perspective as the world's leader within uh, the offshore OEM field, We find it really, really valuable to be able to get the word out there about promoting offshore wind, about promoting the technology, the benefits, and everything else that's related to the industry as such. On a personal level, I'm a journalist by education. Have been within the offshore wind industry for a number of years, specific with Siemens Gamesa for 12 years in total. Coming up this uh, this summer time, so really means a lot to me. Also to promote the different aspects of the industry and really making a making a difference as best I can.
1: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And David and I work together before i joined mhi Vestas, which before i joined uh, GWIC, uh and it was uh there when i got to know you and i guess at that stage it wasn't just uh offshore focus but i mean you've been dedicated working purely with offshore for those last at least 10 years or
2: five, five uh, close to five years now within offshore specifically uh but, but that is correct yeah we our history our st- between the two of us, where it goes back also all the 12 years in the industry. So we, we've seen a couple of things, been around the block a few times. Uh, yeah, from a global perspective, working with internal comms in general, external comms, and all sorts of uh, the other aspects of the renewable energy industry, not only offshore wind.
1: What has been your biggest uh, change, I guess, that you've noticed in the offshore wind since you started until now?
2: Certainly what what I see and what we see as a company is the the growth not only in the size of the machines the size of the products but the the general acceptance and global expansion of the industry so as we're looking to go from a primarily northwestern europe location for all of our technologies and and turbines to a really global reach and global impact that we see
1: and that's pretty interesting i mean you guys had some success in the u.s so congratulations there you had uh the second bit of steel in the water and the first steel in federal water is that is that right so yeah. talking about emerging markets so well done on that
2: thank you that's absolutely correct yeah coastal virginia demonstration project which is a 12 megawatt demo project consisting of two turbines that we put up with uh the owners ersted and dominion energy
1: yeah fantastic and then also you have some. Turbines in the water in Taiwan as well.
2: Correct. We have we have 128 megawatts already installed for two finished projects in Taiwan. It would be the Formosa One Phase One and Phase Two. And we also have some machines already in the water for the Yunlin project. I was
1: actually out in Taiwan and I remember seeing the pre assembly area for the Siemens Gamesa projects, and it was uh, pretty impressive to see, given the amount of. Uh, local content requirements, and given the amount of the economic value that the uh, Taiwanese government wanted to see for projects, I mean, you must be pretty proud of these sort of acti- activities. Be able to actually take politicians out to site and then show them this is what you've created.
2: Absolutely correct. When when we have the ability to take people out to show them what is really real that their decisions, their political vision, when it becomes a reality, to see the great power, the real performance that actually results when you have the physical machines in place, when you have the port infrastructure in place. And when you are making the investments to build a factory or an assembly facility or something that is providing genuine economic benefit for the country and, and society at large, that is an absolutely fantastic feeling. And it makes it real for the people who are making the decisions. Yeah, our, our position is, is as we know, within any form of, of infrastructure project or energy power generation on an industrial scale, unless the political willingness and decisions are there, you're not going to have it, Yeah, no matter what it is. If it's fossil, if it's renewables, if it's nuclear, if the country wants it and they decide to get it, then you are going to have it, provided all the conditions are obviously in place.
1: What about uh, some emerging markets closer to home like the baltics I mean, is there anything there you've got happening
2: we are of course very very aware of the developments in poland uh, especially with the recent uh, material that's been released by the polish government and some of their commitments to that so poland is an extremely promising market in the baltics for us we also are familiar with uh, lithuania and estonia and what they are looking to do
1: you know, so good. so what about f- when we look at floating wind what's siemens gemis's uh perspective on that
2: Floating for Siemens Gamesa is an extremely interesting technology and, and the potential of floating is, as we know, absolutely massive. We You can look at it in, in one way thinking that at the moment floating is certainly more of a niche market than fixed bottom foundations, but you can also take the other perspective and view it as if fixed bottom foundations are only available for a very limited number of seabed sites and floating obviously is significantly larger and could be rep- take over and replace the original fixed foundation, fixed bottom foundations, simply because you have so much more areas that are f- better for floating than uh, a jacket or a monopile. Looking at that, so over 50% of the floating projects that are either installed or going to be installed planned right now will be using siemens Gamesa machines. So we are obviously a very, very important supplier of that.
1: No, so I noticed that on LinkedIn and I thought that it was, I noticed that uh, Siemens Gamesa made that claim on LinkedIn, which kind of surprised me a little bit. And I guess it snuck up on me, uh, but it kind of makes sense given that, uh, you know, the projects that you had done with uh, Equinor uh, at the earliest phases as well.
2: uh, Correct. So so out of those 220-odd megawatts either planned or or installed right now, uh, yeah, over 120 of them are projected to be Siemens-Gamesa. We have the 30 megawatt high wind Scotland, which is in full operation, and also just recently had the highest availability rate for any wind park in the UK. Uh, so that's also a testament to the reliability of the machines, the way in which you can put floating where the wind speeds are better, where the wind conditions are better than they were in a, in a fixed bottom foundations yeah. Uh, location.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, and again, I think it's going to be interesting to see. What happens this side of twenty thirty in the uh, floating space? In terms of when you look at the different areas of the world, and you know the whole Pacific area, you know the North Pacific and the 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 islands, and all the potential for floating wind. I think you're right. Uh, You know, there's clearly a market there, but you're kind of just waiting for the first domino brick to fall. And I mean, we touched on some floating. Uh, in season one where we spoke about the different sort of you know uh, floating technologies and what it's going to take to get there and the different types of uh, foundations etc and how we haven't seen a winner but uh, I guess it's going to be a watch this space to see what happens in uh, in 2021 in this area I know that GWIC we actually have a top floating wind task force and part of the things we're looking at in the floating wind task force is not the top five markets for floating wind but the top five post 2030 floating wind targets uh, yeah that's which is going to be pretty fascinating and so you know where where should we be as an industry where should we have our gaze what are the markets that we should be looking at uh,
2: for floating moving forward I, I think another thing too, to talk about with, with floating is are there different applications of it so one thing is obviously traditional electric electrical generation feeding into the grid as we know it from from standard wind wind um, wind power generation. But if we look at one of the projects that's set to take place in Norway, where we have signed the supplier agreement for the uh, turbines, which is the High Wind Tampen project. It's 11 8-megawatt machines floating that will provide the power to two oil and gas rigs out in the Norwegian North Sea. So it's a different way of producing power, it's renewable power supplementing oil and gas production out on site so it's a completely different uh, ways in which to apply electricity that you are producing from, from floating offshore interesting
1: again I guess this sort of segues nicely into the power to X stuff now that we're talking about we see a lot of projects and this season we'll touch on we'll have a three episode or at least two to three That's episodes sweet. on this throughout the
2: the, the season, uh, coming up. What can listeners expect to to get out of that? You can look forward to a suite of episodes related to green hydrogen one on the technology itself so how do we use the offshore wind power to produce hydrogen the second one could be the transition so how are different companies entering into the green hydrogen field themselves and also how do we see a sector coupling between green hydrogen that we produce to the actual applications because in the end we all recognize that you can produce a lot of hydrogen but unless you have people actually buying it and applying it and using it, then it's really not going to take off whatsoever.
1: And I think that we also have some other great episodes planned throughout the course of the season. One of the things that we'll look at is uh, maritime spatial planning. And again, the, you know what this means in terms of fisheries and birds. And also we'll be touching upon our the, the launch of the GWIC Global Wind Report. And other things like uh, health and safety and standardizations, I think that they're pretty uh, important
2: topics to Siemens Gamesa. Health and safety and, and safety in, in general is the absolute most important topic for Siemens Gamesa. It is not a priority and I wanna make that very clear, but it is a prerequisite. It is the absolute core of everything we do and we will not make any decision, we will not make any act, do any action unless it is safe. For everyone so yep. ahead of all financials ahead of all technological decisions ahead of all actions is is safety yep. absolute critical across the entire industry
1: yeah i mean people often talk about the the barrier to entry for what does it take for companies to come on board and to get into the offshore wind space and there's lots of barriers for entry you know there's the long cycle time etc uh there's so many barriers for entry i guess it makes it difficult but for me if you haven't got safety in place then there's no place for you in the industry and that seems to be the alpha and omega for most of the companies in offshore wind and i guess you know that might stem from you know the oil and gas industries and those policies flowing over and the lessons learnt from other areas i mean you know the wind turbine technician i've heard Anecdotally at least that it's meant to be the most uh dangerous job in the world. So, you know, it would be great to get some technicians on the program as well to hear their, you know, a day in the life about how they go about getting home from work each day or after their shift, after their fourteen days shift. So that'll be also interesting.
2: A crucial aspect of, of safety is that it is not exclusive to one particular company. It is something for all of us and it is where we truly become colleagues and not competitors. That's a great attitude to have and finally i guess one of the other things
1: that we need to look at is we you know we talk about technical potential of wind a lot and you know the oriac that uh, gwick has chaired has spoken about this 1.4 terawatts or 1400 gigawatts of offshore wind technical potential so how do we start to realize that so it could be actually interesting to take a deep dive into a new market like the us and
2: hear what's going on over there You can also look at some of the other more established development markets such as Taiwan, like we talked about, such as France, and all the different activities of of, of what we see in the growth.
1: Yeah. I also think, yeah, I mean these Asian markets are definitely one of the areas where GWIC is finding a lot of interest. We've done some pretty significant work with the Japanese government on establishing there or working with the JWPA to establish the Japanese targets or to see what's possible to do with Japan. You know, we're looking at Korea as well and uh, Vietnam, all of these countries, I guess, even down to Australia now where the Star of the South project is the shining example of, you know, one project. And I know that the Star of the South team often listen to the Offshore Wind podcast. So big shout out to the Aussies.
2: I think we are geographically well covered, Stuart. With your background, my background, and, and then of course re- living both of us here in Denmark, the center of the wind industry in, in many, many, many ways.
1: Yeah, it could be funny to have a bottle of wine on which of our home countries gets the the one gigawatt first. Yeah,
2: that's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> if if the Corona, you guys are, are a to long way, way ahead. Though. Do it.
1: You guys are a long way ahead, though. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, but
2: uh, your wine is awful good.
1: yeah Yeah. and i mean we are still reliant on fossil fuels back home so anyway fair enough thank you david for joining us today on the offshore wind podcast and i'm so much looking forward to having you as a co-host this year So, hey, Stuart,
2: thanks for having me on here today. I'm really, really looking forward to joining the Gwec Podcast Season 2. I know I have some really big shoes to fill in the form of Ben Backwell, your previous co-host, and I'm really looking forward to joining you and uh, seeing where we end up this year. Thanks very much, David. It's been my pleasure to
1: have you on board and uh, looking forward to this next series. I think it's going to be awesome. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Stay safe, everyone. Hello, listeners. Stuart Mullen here from the Offshore Wind Podcast. Season two is just around the corner,
2: and this year we have a very special surprise. And that surprise is me, David Lenty, the new co host from Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy. I'm super excited to be joining Stuart and all the other great people at GWEC to talk about the offshore wind industry, to draw upon our brilliant guests and to give you some valuable insight into the many, many aspects that make our industry fabulous. Make sure you listen, subscribe, and write a review when you hear the podcast drop.
1: See you soon.